On May 1st, the State Commission, tasked with making recommendations on potential changes to New York's alcohol laws, quietly released its final report. So we're going to consider its findings and the Empire State's blue laws more broadly with State Senator James Scoofus, an Orange County Democrat who's been championing updates to the state's alcohol laws and whose top investigative staffer served as a Senate appointee to the commission. Welcome back to the show, Senator. Cheers. Nice to be back. Cheers. Very appropriate. So any big picture 10,000-foot takeaways from the commission's 192-page report before we start diving into individual recommendations that did and did not make the cut? I would say the recommendations, if they're implemented, would prove to be a meaningful step in the right direction. Are they transformative? I wouldn't go that far. I don't think it turns the table over in this space, but if we're going to work within the current structure, and I would argue that perhaps maybe we shouldn't, but if we're going to do that, which is what they've decided to do, then their recommendations would improve the structure. So I do hope that over the next four weeks and change that we do take up these recommendations. I'll be this week introducing a bill that reflects all of their recommendations that were approved. So it's sort of an omnibus bill that we can point to. And I'll just provide some context here. The Senate and I, we pushed for a number of reforms in last year's budget negotiations. And the response from the Assembly and Governor was effectively, I'm paraphrasing, this can't be rushed. We don't want to do this right now. We need to hear from industry stakeholders. We need to hear from the professionals. need to take some time. And that is where the commission was born. The past year, they've looked at this. And so this bill will be a pure reflection of their recommendations. And I intend to go back to the governor's office and the assembly and my colleagues in the Senate and say, okay, here's what we all have been waiting for. Now let's do it. Well, you teed up my next question, which was based on our our past conversation in August and what you told us about the experience in the budget and trying to negotiate changes. So I I have to assume, because I'm a political optimist uh, with no experience here, that now that we have this commission report, that your bill will immediately be embraced by the Assembly and Governor now that we have a commission? Hope springs eternal. I certainly hope that that is the case. I don't imagine it will be quite that easy. The politics around alcohol is very complicated, and as I just described to you off-air, I compare it to a Jenga tower. You pull out one block, and the whole tower starts to shake. You try and do something for small producers, and the wholesalers get upset. You try and do something for restaurants and bars, and the liquor stores get upset. And, and people respond to the politics of some of those stakeholders here in the legislature. And so, uh, you know, look, I, I'm never super keen on these commissions and task forces. And uh, we've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, their efficacy uh, over the last couple of years on at least one of your shows. But, you know, I, I, I think it is strange and it doesn't produce the best product where we basically look to these stakeholders. We're looking to regulate and say, hey, how would you regulate yourselves? That's effectively what we did with this commission. It was stacked with the very stakeholders we are looking to create a new structure and system to interface with. And I don't think that's the best way to go about this, but that's what happened in the budget last year. Given the product they came to us with, this is and would be a meaningful improvement. And so, look, I've got lots of other bills I'm going to be advancing as well, but at a minimum... Assembly, Senate, Governor, here's what we've all been waiting for. Let's move forward with what you were looking for, which is this input, this feedback, and these recommendations from these stakeholders. Well, one of the policy recommendations from the commission is to allow an individual to own 
more than one, but not unlimited numbers of liquor stores. This issue was a little bit divisive amongst the commission, was approved by a 10 to 5 vote. What would be the practical implication of changing how many liquor stores one entity could own while still ensuring that they can't own unlimited number? So right now the cap is one. So if you're an individual in New York, you can own one liquor store. And that's rooted in this decision that was made a very long time ago that I support, which is we want our liquor stores to be mom-and-pop operations, not Costco-type operations. And so I do support raising the cap. The bill that I referenced before will look to raise the cap to two, so it's a modest increase. I 100%. 100%. On the other hand, maybe not so modest increase. And the practical impact is that there will likely be some more liquor stores in New York State. I would argue, even though some of the liquor store associations are not supportive of this proposal, kind of ironically, I would argue that they have many members, many of whom are immigrants, would love to open up a second store. And they can't right now. And so I, I think that's a modest and meaningful proposal that will create jobs that will you know, produce additional business activity in some communities. And the practical impact is there will be you know, a handful, some additional liquor stores in New York. Yeah, I have to imagine there are people listening to this right now and saying, more liquor stores? Is there really capacity for additional liquor stores in New York? But in reality, New York has comparatively low numbers of liquor stores per per, per person, right? We actually call that per capita. And yes, our per capita uh, liquor store number is is quite low compared to other states, especially in the Northeast. What other practical changes that the commission recommended as it pertains to liquor stores that you think will have a significant change in the experience for the consumers, whether it's allowing them to be open a few extra hours on Sunday, allowing them to sell a couple additional different types of products, not including beer, any of those you think, or something else I didn't mention that you think will make for a different experience for wine and and liquor consumers? There are. And some of them are more in the margins, like one that you mentioned, which is allowing for liquor stores to sell some products beyond this very limited number of prescribed products they're allowed to legally sell right now. Liquor stores are not permitted under the law to sell even things like maraschino cherries and bitters and tonic mixers. They are literally not allowed to sell those items. And... I think being able to sell those does enhance the consumer experience. They don't have to make some second stop down the street to pick up some of these ancillary items for their cocktails or whatever it might be. Then there are, I think, some more impactful changes, one of which is something that I've pushed for uh, some time now, which would allow bars and restaurants, you know, when they've got a party in the back and that party's, you know, their drink of choice is Grey Goose, let's say, and no free ads. No free ads. Sorry. The restaurant runs out of whatever drink it is that they're drinking Ugly in the back. Ugly duck vodka. Ugly duck vodka. Um, that might exist, and so perhaps we just gave an ad to somebody. Uh, and you know, the simple matter of fact is that party, that restaurant, can't wait for five days from now when the next wholesaler truck comes by for their delivery, their weekly delivery. And so in a pinch, allowing for bars and restaurants to go down the street to the liquor store and buy some limited quantity of alcohol that they, that they need at that moment, I think is pro-consumer. It certainly is supportive of our restaurants and taverns and bars. And that's something else that was recommended in that commission's report. 
The report also makes recommendations about the state liquor authority and its capacity to do its job, with all of the commission members voting in favor of giving the authority the resources it needs. So what does that say about the current levels of funding for the state liquor authority, and what does full funding look like moving forward? So first things first, the SLA was provided additional funding last year as part of the governor's efforts to try and better staff up the authority. And with an eye towards being able to process, in particular, liquor license applications more quickly. Of course, if there are ways that we can better resource the SLA to make they're interfacing with our constituent businesses in particular, more seamless and more expedient. I'm supportive of that. I think most of my colleagues would be. But it it really is, it's head scratching that there was no self-reflection, no awareness in this commission where the SLA sort of looked within themselves to try and identify, well, maybe we need to be doing things a little bit Mm -hmm. better. The simple matter of fact is, I would argue, that the SLA, which is an authority, it's not quite an agency, but within that space of authorities and agencies in New York, they are the least responsive and in terms of like dereliction of duty, really the, the agency and authority that comes to my mind that drops the ball on behalf of New Yorkers more than any other. I have businesses that have waited 9, 10, 11, 12 months to get a simple liquor license application processed. And if that's not bad enough... They have to apply for these temporary permits so that they can actually sell in the meantime. And they've got to pay the fees associated with those permits. They've got to fill out the paperwork to renew those permits every several months. And they have to do that because the SLA sucks at their job. And so it really is startling that there is nothing in this commission's report that really evaluates the SLA and their operations and how ineffective they've been on behalf of New Yorkers. What do you think that... uh description is a product of? Why do you feel like uh, they can't get out of their own way? Is that a top-down issue? Are they hiring the wrong people? What do you think that's a product of? I don't think they're hiring the wrong people. I think that it's likely that the top of the food chain handcuffs their people in a lot of ways. And And when we talk about the top of the food chain in this capacity, should we think of the the chair of the SLA or do we go all the way to the top to the governor of the state? I'm talking about the chair of the SLA and whatever the other staffer is, Sharif, president, CEO, I don't know what his title is. Uh, That's really where the buck stops at the SLA with those two individuals. And my interactions with them have been a complete waste of time, to be frank. They are set in their ways They do not want to admit that they are a bureaucratic swamp. And my suspicion is, and we're going to have at least a hearing on this in the very near future to figure out exactly to your question, what is the problem here? There is a problem. The SLA is incapable of solving the problem, clearly. But we need to figure out why there is this problem and perhaps force them to solve the problem. Uh, But uh, my suspicion is that, yes, there are orders from the top to the very good men and women who work within the SLA, and they are handcuffed from being able to do their job a little bit more expediently. And after a quick break, we'll have more on a new report from a state commission tasked with making recommendations on changes to New York's alcohol laws. Our guest is State Senator James Skoufis, an Orange County Democrat who's championed updates to the state's alcohol laws. 
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation with State Senator James Scoofus, an Orange County Democrat who's been championing updates to the state's alcohol beverage laws and is weighing in on a new report from a state commission tasked with making recommendations on changes to New York's alcohol laws. So the closest vote in the affirmative was on whether the legislature should review uh, the state's licensing fee structure. Why was that a close call and what could the ramifications of that type of review consist of? Well, I would suggest the ramifications could be the outcomes laid out in a bill that I've had for a little while now that does look at this very issue and adjust all of these state licensure fees that haven't been touched in a very long time. I suspect some of the opposition came from the wine and spirit wholesalers representatives. I know the beer wholesaler rep uh, was supportive, but they know they have a racket. There's a duopoly in the wine and spirit distribution space. Uh, Two companies control the vast majority of the marketplace. And their licensure fees, despite being these Goliaths, are specs within their budgets. I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars, uh, four digits, not even, I'm not talking six digits here, hundreds of that, thousands of dollars. And I believe they should be paying a million dollars for their annual or biannual licenses that are required. And so I'm sure some of that opposition comes from stakeholders who know that they're riding a gravy train when it comes to these fees, and they like to keep riding the gravy train. The New York State Restaurant Association invoicing their opposition to a change in fee structure, which they essentially assumed would result in higher fees, argued that they're not in position to pay more, say, for a liquor license right now. So when you think about changes to the fee structure, would there be accommodations for industries that might not be as well positioned as the ones that you feel can afford to pay more? The short answer is yes. And the bill that's forthcoming, the only industry stakeholders that we raise fees on are those distributors that I just mentioned. Everybody else is either lowered or is basically untouched. The commission also floated a bunch of proposals that were ultimately rejected. They failed to get a majority of vote. And this includes proposals to allow wine in grocery stores, liquor in grocery stores, beer in liquor stores, or ready-to-drink cocktails sold in grocery stores. For example, free ad to my friend Rick Sakari, Albany Distilling Company's uh, cocktails. So why does it make sense to not allow for that expansion of business across different marketplaces? Well, so look, I'll first point out one of the first things I said when I I came on for this interview is the very nature of these commissions is that you have the very people we're looking to regulate making up these new regulations or recommending them. And people are going to vote yes on those items that benefit them, and people are going to vote no on those items that harm them, or at least they perceive as harming them. And so in these cases, you know, the the vote tallies reflect exactly that. The stakeholders who would stand to financially benefit were supportive, and, and those that could stand to lose business were in the negative. Now, we made the decision a very long time ago, and I support this decision that was made, to promote and protect these small businesses that exist in this state. You go to Florida, and you go to big box stores to get your alcohol. 
you go to Costco, you go to Sam's Club, etc. And I don't want that to happen in New York. So the minute that you start putting wine in grocery stores, you're putting mom and pop wine shops out of business. That's literally their entire business. So, you know, I, I'm glad that they did not move forward with those recommendations. I think it's a reflection that for most stakeholders, they view it as a negative impact uh, within the industry. As convenient as maybe it would be for some folks, they're doing their grocery shopping, they could get their wine while they're doing their grocery shopping. I think the vast majority of consumers also would like to continue supporting those mom and pop shops and don't mind the occasional stop at the liquor store to get a couple of bottles of wine. So for you then, there is a distinction between when it's appropriate to do one-stop shopping, like if you're trying to get all the ingredients for a cocktail, as opposed to whether you're buying all the ingredients to stock a bar for a party if you have beer and liquor. I I do. Now, look, maybe if there was a maraschino cherry shop that existed somewhere in my area that we'd put out of business if we allowed liquor stores to sell cherries, then maybe I'd think differently. But we're not putting anyone out of business by allowing liquor stores to sell tonic water and, and the like. And in terms of the consumer experience, New Yorkers are able to purchase directly from wineries, but it's limited to just that situation. So what did you think about a proposal narrowly voted down by the commission, uh, which would have expanded direct-to-consumer opportunities in New York? Yeah, so they deadlocked. It was, I think it was 8 to 8 in the commission's vote, and so it didn't move forward. I, I support direct-to-consumer shipping for small producers, I don't want to extend that business opportunity to the big producers that already have plenty of shelf space within liquor stores and within wholesalers. It's really the small ones that struggle to find that shelf space, struggle to find distributors who are willing to work with them and do business. And so I sponsor a DTC, direct-to-consumer bill. We moved it out of our committee a week or two ago. I think it's on the floor of the Senate. And I'm hopeful that we'll move forward with that. Again, that's independent and separate from this omnibus bill that's only taking the recommendations from the commission. But that's one example of another item that I do support. Uh, I think it will level the playing field. And, of course, you know, the folks who are losing their mind over it are predominantly those two big distributors in the liquor space who – will fight over every single dollar of revenue and have their hair on fire if there's a proposal that dares to work around the wholesaler distribution second tier that exists in in the three-tier system. How do you envision that kind of direct-to-consumer purchasing to be utilized? Do you envision all New Yorkers over the age of 21 to shift their purchasing that way if that option was available? I I don't. I, I think it's really on the margins. I think the folks who are going to utilize DTC are those folks who want to patronize the micro distiller that whose products they can't find in a liquor store. I think that's where the vast majority of direct-to-consumer shipping would take place, especially given we're not providing the opportunity for the larger producers to participate in this program. We were specific in the bill to carve them out. And so we're really talking about the small guys who they struggle again to get space with distributors, with liquor stores, and this provides an avenue for consumers to get their favorite micro whatever that they can't find in a store. So if I'm a big fan of Ugly Duck Vodka, I had it once in Saratoga, and I'm looking for this small batch brand, and I live in Rochester, and I've begun shipping my new small batch vodka, they could theoretically buy it that way. Exactly. Anything else from here that didn't make the cut that 
you are going to be thinking about in the future with regards to alcohol laws in New York State, or did we cover everything? There's a lot that the commission didn't move forward that I think would improve the system. One item that they actually voted down is allowing liquor stores primarily, but I'd also love to see it extended to restaurants and bars, engage in co-op buying. New Jersey and a number of other states allow for this where, look, you know, especially when it comes to these fees from these distributors who are at the center of a lot of the bad acting that takes place here. These small establishments, they get hit with delivery fees, storage fees. There's something called case cracking fees. If a restaurant only wants six bottles of a 12-bottle case, the distributor charges them extra to open the case. God forbid they take like two seconds to open a case and take out six bottles. And if they were allowed to engage in co-op buying with six, 10, 15 other stores, they can get to scale and they can engage in bulk buying to avoid those fees, get better pricing. The distributors at the commission, their representatives, they offered up this cockamamie argument that scared everyone into voting no on this particular proposal. But if, if structured correctly, it would work well, and we'd be able to prevent distributors from just passing along those costs to you know some other price tag. And we're actually going to move that out of our committee uh, next week, a co-op buying bill. Well, we've been speaking with State Senator James Goofus. He is an Orange County Democrat and chair of the Committee on Investigations and Government Operations. Senator, thank you so much for making the time. Always a pleasure. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.